When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 293, Rules of Acquisition. Welcome to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each week on Mission Log, we watch an episode of Star Trek, taking it apart for messages, morals, and meanings, and seeing whether the whole thing holds up today. This week, Rules of Acquisition, a DS9 episode addressing gender roles and affairs of the heart, not to be confused with the Rules of Attraction, a Brad Easton Ellis novel addressing gender roles and affairs of the heart, One's in space, one's in college. You can figure out which one is which. I've got trivia coming up in a moment, but first... But first, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323-522-5641 is the phone number to call. 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including discovered documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. As he said a moment ago, John Champion has trivia coming up in a moment, and that moment is upon us. Ladies and gentlemen, it's trivia with, wait for it, John Champion. Here we go. Rules of Acquisition. Today's episode was written by Hillary J. Bader. Now, you may remember that we talked about Hillary during TNG, where she contributed stories for The Loss and Hero Worship. You may also remember that we lost her way too young. Uh, but in her career, Hillary had been nominated for seven Daytime Emmy Awards, primarily from her work on animated shows like Batman Beyond and the new Batman Superman Adventures. There was actually a version of this story that she had pitched back during TNG, then titled Profit Margin. Can, can, can you guess who might have been the object of affection for, uh, for the, the young woman in that story? It was TNG, so we didn't have a quark as a main character. Um, uh, 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 Riker. There you go. Okay. You got the leading man right there. Yeah. So would have been Riker. Yeah. Now, Iris Stephen Bear is who ultimately got the teleplay credit for this one, though he wasn't totally sold on the final tone of the piece, and neither was the director. That would be David Livingston. And we all remember that David was a producer from the very beginning of TNG and tried his hand at directing two episodes there. This is the fourth of his many DS9 episodes. Appropriately, he directed The Nagus in Season 1. There's a good deal of makeup in this show as we have multiple Ferengi and we meet a new species in the Gamma Quadrant, 
Michael Westmore and his team got an Emmy nomination for their work. Hey, we have a design carryover from early TNG, The Battle. If you remember that, the Ferengi computer that they were using to control Picard, that is a motif that we see all over Zek's ship. Now let's talk about guest stars. Of course, we get to welcome back Wallace Shawn as Zek, and we get to welcome back Tiny Ron as Mehar Du. And from the Dosai, we meet Inglatu and Zairi. So Inglatu is played by Brian Thompson. We've seen him before very briefly. He had small roles as Klingons in both TNG's A Matter of Honor and again in the movie Generations. This is the first of two times we will see him on DS9, and he will be back for more in Enterprise. There's a lot more to him than Trek, though. He has shown up in a lot of genre favorites. The Terminator, The X-Files, Buffy, Alienation, even The Orville. And feature films include Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Joe Dirt, and Cobra. Zairi is played by Amelia Crow. This episode is actually the end of her professional acting credits, but she managed to land a few interesting appearances prior. You got Remington Steel, Hill Street Blues. Her first gig ever was a small part in the movie Scarface. And not terribly recognizable here as Pell, Helene Udi is one of those actors who shows up everywhere. One of her earliest roles was in the 1981 slasher My Bloody Valentine, but she may be best known as Myra, a frequently recurring character from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. She actually started her career as a child, appearing in Canadian films and TV, then made her way back to the U.S. for a stint on As the World Turns, then made her way to L.A., where a load of TV work followed as she simultaneously worked in theater. This is her only Trek appearance, but Helene continues to work as an actor and producer. Swing your partner, Dozido. Through the wormhole, to and fro. Now promenade, the promenade. And that is the Dozido Reel. Prologue. Dax, Quark, and a bunch of other Ferengi are playing Tongo. It's a gambling thing, and Dax is cleaning up. A female, beating all these Ferengi males. Give Rom a Ferengi female. One who never wears clothes, who never talks back, and never plays Tongo. This... Reverie, interrupted by a young waiter in Rom's employ. The waiter, Pell, has a snack he wants Quark to try that'll make him thirsty. Like he'll need a drink the second he tastes it. If Quark were to replace his usual bar snacks with these, drink orders would double immediately. Quark's impressed, though the talk with Pell is interrupted by a call from the Grand Nagus Zack. He's headed to Deep Space Nine for negotiations that'll expand his presence in the Gamma Quadrant and he wants Quark to be his chief negotiator. Act 1. Zack's meeting with Commander Sisko and Major Kira. Not his idea, obviously. They're kind of bothered that his plans to hold negotiations with the Dosai, a race from the Gamma Quadrant, on board DS9 were made without their approval. Kira is very distrustful of the Ferengi and says she will not tolerate Zack trying to cheat the Dosai. There's probably a rule of acquisition about keeping the wheels greased, and Zek employs it, offering Bajor a gift of 50,000 kilos of Bryzine nitrate. Fertilizer. And with that, he'll have no more trouble from Sisko and Kira. There's more sexism in this episode, by the way. 
Male Ferengi are incredibly sexist, while female Ferengi are neither seen nor heard outside the home, apparently. I won't bother with every sexist comment. Suffice to say, they run through the episode like veins of fat and a piece of meat. And we continue. Grand Nagus Zack finally lets Quark in on his big opportunity. Tula berries. They're the main ingredient in tula berry wine, and the docile grow them. Quark's job is to secure 10,000 vats of tula berries from the docile. Zack doesn't really think tula berry wine will be that big, but it will give the Ferengi a foothold in the Gamma Quadrant, which could lead to who knows what. Well, profit, of course, but aside from that, who knows what? Back at the bar, Quark is talking over his good fortune with Rom, though Pell points out that this is all risk for Quark and all reward for Zack. If it goes well, the Grand Nagus takes the credit. If it fails, that failure is on Quark. Jolted, Quark realizes he needs help, an assistant for the negotiations. He offers the role to Pell, who accepts for 20% of the cut, and thanks to her obvious crush on Quark, because yeah, she's got a Kate, short for Bob, thing going on. It's revealed to the viewer, though no one else, that Pell's a female Ferengi. Act 2. The Dosai are tough and imposing, and not happy dealing with Quark rather than Zack. They'll do 5,000 vats, though Quark says that won't be enough. Posturing, 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 threat, threat, threat. The Dosai say they'll think about the offer for 10,000 vats. In Ops, Zack's servant brings Kira a gift from Zack, a latinum earring. She tries to decline, though the servant is already gone. Kira is borderline indignant, though Dax seems almost impressed. Oh, sure, they place too much emphasis on profit, and their attitude towards women is primitive. But over seven lifetimes, Dax says she can't think of a race that she's enjoyed more than the Ferengi. They're greedy, misogynistic, untrustworthy little trolls, and I wouldn't turn my back on one for a second, says Kira. Dax says she wouldn't either, but once you accept that, you find they can be a lot of fun. Speaking of which, Dax is back at the Tongo table, and Zack is sitting in this game. He's got new orders for Quark. The deal for 10,000 vats of tula berries? Make it 100,000. Quark's worried about that. The docile haven't even agreed to 10,000. But Pell says 100,000 is a great idea. It'll show the docile that the Ferengi mean business. Quark expresses his misgivings privately to Pell, though she, as he, says he'll make the deal because he's good. And with Pell's assistance, he's better. Jadzia's not stupid. She sees what's going on, that Pell's in love with Quark, though the fact that Pell is female comes as a surprise. Dax has never met a female Ferengi before because, hi, kept inside, not allowed to do business or wear clothes. So, Pell made herself a pair of synthetic lobes and turned herself male by outward appearances. She came to Deep Space Nine looking for profit. Falling in love with Quark was an unexpected wrinkle. Speaking of whom, Quark rushes in. Time for round two of negotiations with the Dosai. Act 3. Kira returns the earring to Zack... To say that she does not share Dax's view on the Ferengi would be an understatement. Bad news for Zek from Quark. The Dosai have called off negotiations and left for the Gamma Quadrant. Zek's about to land on Quark hard when Pell tells him to cool his nacelles. Quark and Pell will go to the Gamma Quadrant and complete the negotiations. Zek will have his Tula berries, as long as they can have his ship for the trip. Done and done.
On the way to the Gamma Quadrant, Pell and Quark wonder over Zek's real game. Why jack the demand from 10,000 to 100,000 bats? He knows more than he's letting on. About the doci, about the Gamma Quadrant. They just don't know what he knows. Back on DS9, a weird conversation between Rom and Odo gives Rom an idea. Pell is coming between Rom and his brother. He's got to find something he can use against Pell. And so he tears up Pell's room and finds out, in Victor Victoria style, that he is a she pretending to be a he. Act 4. On the Dosai homeworld, negotiations are going no better here. The Dosai, with whom they'd been dealing on DS9, seem to have respect for Quark's bravado, but the answer for 100,000 bats of tulaberries is no. Secretly, though, his lieutenant says he's refusing, not because he wants to refuse, but because he doesn't have 100,000 bats. No Dosai does. For that many, they'll need to see the Karama, that important power in the Dominion. Pell and Quark don't know either of those proper nouns, though the Dosai sums it up. If you want to do business in the Gamma Quadrant, you have to do business with the Dominion. No. Also, the Dosai saw Pell kissing Quark. We're trying to. Back on Zek's ship, Quark wants to talk about the possibilities for profit with the Dominion, and not Pell, the young waiter-turned-assistant, trying to kiss him. Quark seriously doesn't want to talk about that. Partly, it seems, because it's uncomfortable, and partly because, don't you see? Zek never cared about the tulaberries. The tulaberries were a way to get to the doci, so Zek could sabotage negotiations with the doci, so they could get to the Dominion. Back on DS9, Zek admits all of this, and thanks to Quark, he's one step closer. The Karama. This will earn Quark a piece of every deal the Ferengi do in the Gamma Quadrant. Then Rom tells Quark that Pell is a female. Then Quark passes out. Act 5. Coming to in Bashir's office, Quark and Rom are discussing the Pell problem. Rom figures he has to tell Zack, though... Quark worries that that'll ruin everything. Instead, he makes a deal. He'll give Rom the bar if Rom promises to never say anything about Pell. Pell? asks Rom. What about him? In Pell's quarters, Quark has an idea. Leave. Here is a very small amount of latinum. Leave. Seriously. No, says Pell. She loves Quark. So how about this? Come with me to the Gamma Quadrant. No one there would care whether I wear clothes. Though Quark says he'd care. Pell says she'll start packing. Though instead, she storms to Zack, rips off her synthetic lobes, and freaks the old Ferengi out. He'll have Pell sent to prison. Though Quark says no. Fine, says Zack. He'll ruin Quark, too. Taking business advice from a female is violation of Ferengi law. Quark says he didn't know she was a female, though Zek says stupidity is no excuse. Well, says Quark, you also took her advice. Zek says he didn't know she was female, though Quark reminds the Grand Nagus, stupidity is no excuse. Right, they'll all keep Pell's secret. And thus their own secrets. Of course, it'll cost Quark his piece of the Gamma Quadrant. She'd still like Quark to come with her, but he says no. Finally... They share a kiss, then she takes the very small amount of latinum he offered her earlier, and leaves. Quark tries to go back to being his old self, though Dax says she knows him better than that. 
she says that she's going to miss Pell, and she knows that Quark will too. The end. Oh, Ken, so much to talk about here in this episode, but... Hey, listen, I want to encourage you right at the beginning, don't be afraid to catch feels, okay? No. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, if, if you want to, if you need a minute before we actually mm -hmm. go into it, because I know okay. there was a lot of real emotion in this episode. So much. Are we tipping our hand? I'm not. I don't know. W would we be bad at Tongo? I was going to say, is that a Tongo question you're asking? Because no, I I'm not... I'm not tipping no. my hand. No. How do you know? How do you know you're not tipping your hand at Tongo? Because in Tongo, look, you don't know the rules of Dabo. I don't know the rules of Dabo. We know that people yell Dabo. Yeah. And then all we know is that Tongo, well, you, you could confront, you can evade, you can acquire. Yes. It sounds a little bit like risk to me. Well, all gambling is risk, John. All gambling <laughs> is risk. I mean, risk with a capital R oh, and, uh, okay. and a trademark. You know, okay. my bad. Yeah. 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 Are you going to worry about the rules of that game or are you just going to be focused on Davo? I feel like I have a better shot at Tongo just because I know three things. You can confront, you can evade, or you can acquire. Mm -hmm. In Davo, you stand there and yell Davo. That's pretty much it. In fact, I'm beginning yeah. to think that's really the only rule. It's, it's right. like how you <laughs> say Davo determines whether or not you win. I think, I think, I think Davo always hits. It's just Good. a question of great, how it hits. Great. Yeah, yeah, so you just say it loud enough and proud enough, and people will be like, oh, he must have won, and they hand you money. Then you go play a real game like Tongo. I will tell you, <laughs> there was one thing that made me sad about Tongo, though. What's that? Um, and I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it was how I read it. The very, first, the very first thing that happens is Odo is wandering around the promenade, mm -hmm. and, he, and he wakes up Morn and says, mm -hmm. all right, you know the rules, no sleeping here, go home. Right. And Morn goes to Quark's. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. loves that bar. He does. It's his kind of place. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Somebody knows what that song is, by the way. It's not John Champion. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> but some people do. Uh, it made me kind of, it made me both love him more and made me sad for him at the same time. And of course, his home was locked up because, you know, people are playing Tongo. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of Tongo. Uh, so yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're Ferengi, you can justify being beat at Tongo by Jadzia by saying it was Dax. Right. Yeah. Now they, they weren't around for that whole, uh, that whole litigation that was about to happen in an episode about Dax called, oh, Dax. Actually, you know? they were around for that. It happened in Quark's bar. Are you, oh, were they, were they actually there in the room while this argument was going on? I'm pretty sure Quark was, yeah. Okay, Because right. I remember saying, why isn't he serving drinks? He's missing a chance at profit. <laughs> oh, that, right, right. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point, yeah. And, all right, so speaking of uh, drinks, though, uh, Ferengi don't know about beer nuts? They know about low-carb beans, I assume. Yeah, but that's apparently a healthier beer nut, which is not what anybody wants when they're sitting at the bar eating, you know, bowls of food that other people have had their hands in. No, but we lost this idea in 300 years, or at least it didn't make it from a uh, human culture to Ferengi culture. If you're drinking, you serve something salty. Exactly. And you want more to drink. A potato chip, yes. maybe. All kinds of things. All kinds of things. Um, hey, I got to say, Pell's voice, at least at the start of the show, had me fooled. Because even after rewatching it, I was like, you know what? That's a good job. That, that sounds convincingly male Ferengi to me hmm. um okay yeah yeah well i mean later in the show I, it kind of wears off but right at the beginning during that game in particular i was like good good job just seems like a young ferengi maybe like uh like if we had a ferengi boy hanging around like uh oh i don't know rom's kid 
haven't yeah, seen him in a while. He is. Yeah, that's right. He went <laughs> off uh, when they evacuated. Has not been seen we, since. I don't think we've seen him since. Exactly. He may have found uh, he may have found a greater road to profit somewhere else. Maybe he did. Um, oh, I, you know, I didn't point it out uh, last week, and I know that you were upset by that. But Pack Led's at the bar again. You must have been very happy. Totally missed him. What? No, you're kidding. Don't, totally missed him. I'm not kidding. Oh, you. oh no! It, it's in the uh, the Odo and uh, Rom scene where they're, they're chatting, and, and okay. Odo's talking about like, well, if I had a brother, I wouldn't let anybody get in the way. Just a couple of Pack Leds hanging out, sitting back there. <laughs> Do you think it's the same two trying to figure out a ship to steal? I'm absolutely convinced of it, yes. All right. yeah, but but they, they can't get past the complexity of ordering a drink, so they're <laughs> going to be there for a long, long time. Yeah. Buy me a drink, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, buy me a drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd, that'd be how that works, I suppose. Hey, uh, I had a question about Bajoran society, and I know it's weird that there would be a question about Bajoran society to come up in this episode, because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. not much Bajoran going on in this episode. No. But the Bajoran earring, can you buy, just buy a Bajoran, just any old earring and give it to them? I mean, pretty or not, because mm-hmm. I, the impression mm-hmm. that I got, honestly, was that they were very specific yeah. uh, to individuals. Like in the episode, The Homecoming, Kira knew that they had found Lee Nollis because she got this earring and she's like, this is Lee Nollis's earring. Right. And I assume that she was reading something on there or that something on there indicated that unless he was just such a hero that it was like, well... And and his earring was epic. Mm. Every child should know what Lena's earring looks like for no reason. Be like, oh, well, you know what uh, George Washington's saddle looked like, don't you? <laughs> Every child should. Yeah. They're like, go to Lee's uh, Facebook page and, and look at his profile picture. And that is a glorious shot of his earring. And when he got a new one, he even updated his pictures. Like, hey, new earring. Who this? <laughs> Bling. Right. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, if you go to Lee Nollis's uh, Facebook page, be sure and hit like and hit share because sharing yeah, is, please do. <clears throat> is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Zach literally offered to give the Brazine nitrate then offered it at cost within the, the, the course of maybe like three sentences. Kira says, she says, you know, uh, uh, he says something like, uh, our reputation for doing business exceeds us or, you know, precedes us. And she's like, and that's why nobody does business with you. And he's like, well, how about we do some business? And she's like, well, okay. Yeah. Right. And then <laughs> right. as soon as he then goes, you know, for money that I didn't ask for before, she should have just shot him. I mean, she should have killed him dead. Right I, I know, right? Right. I mean, first of all, good for Cisco turning that around. He did an excellent job at that. But yeah, my next note was why did Kira not break his arm? For yeah. many, many, many reasons. <laughs> right. I mean, she had to know. She's like, if, if I kill him, I do also have to shoot myself for falling for it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. come on. I mean, you just said you guys can't be trusted. And he's like, well, what if I say trust me? Oh, <laughs> well, I hadn't thought case. about it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, Pell has a serious knife to remove those prosthetic ears. Yeah. I think that if you wear prosthetic ears, look, it's just makeup. You know, you don't need a big knife to take well, those off. But in fairness, they have to stay on all day. <laughs> they do. They do. But I think spirit gum of the future is going to be even better than the spirit gum we have today. Um, Here's the thing that drives me nuts, uh, among maybe a few things in this episode, but it is that old TV trope. Guy goes into an apartment, into a room, looking everywhere for something, then sits on the bed, then looks under the bed. Mm -hmm. Because because first of all, if you looked everywhere, you looked everywhere. And, And second of all, if you're sitting on the bed... The thing under the bed doesn't just catch your eye. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, it is said it's always the last place you look. So don't start in the most obvious place. 
Right, right. Because <laughs> you want if you want to be able to keep looking, you have to leave the obvious place for last. Thus, mm-hmm. you know, continuing the uh, mantra or uh, not mantra, the, the truism. Right. Yeah. It's always the last place you look. It, and truly, truly, it was. Hey, uh, let's talk about food because I haven't done that yet in this segment. <laughs> Um, all right. Actually, you did talk about the beer nut, so I'm afraid we'll have to skip this next part. Yeah, my apologies. No, we're not skipping this, though, because on the dinner plate, there's a lot going on. Pell ordered from the uh, the replimat. Uh, I, I did a freeze frame on that. I wanted to get a good look at it. Looked like there was a corn and black bean salsa, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, then they looked like there was like a rice and bean pilaf thing. So they were getting, you know, a little bit of corn in that, too. So they're getting multiple use out of the ingredients. Some slices of spam on there look like a, a spam or some sort of a processed meat, but the centerpiece could have been either scallops or maybe just chunks of fish, sort of presented like scallops. Mm. Looked, looked okay, but you know, all pretty uh, pretty recognizable. Now later in the show, the the uh, flaked blood fleas. I think that was dried crabs, which are indeed a, a Japanese bar snack. Um, not saying it's very tasty. I don't love mm-hmm. them. Uh, but they will definitely make you reach for a beer and finish the entire beer. I was going to say, are they salty? Yeah, well, well they're kind of they're kind of salty. They're they're kind of uh, dry. Uh, they they kind of have that uh, not 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 fishy, but just kind of a a seafood ish flavor. Okay, uh, they're, they're seasoned. I, I'm not a big fan. It's a novelty. So, but the Japanese bar owner has learned what it's going to take the Ferengi another 300 years to figure out. Precisely. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Ferengi, as we're likely to do several times in this episode, uh, I had a question. Are they weird? Are the Trill weird? Or is it just Quark, who's quirky, let's say? Hmm. Um, to try to seduce Dax, he recreated her childhood bedroom. <laughs> yeah, okay. Many questions. Yeah. Uh, first yeah. of all, did he recreate the symbiont Dax's bedroom or the host Jedzia's bedroom? Ooh, okay. Good question. And yeah. no matter the answer, why did he think that that would turn them on? <laughs> because, you know, I don't think back to myself, uh, you know, when I really, you know, when I was really firing on all cylinders, when I was two, man, right. you wouldn't right. know me. I was, man, I was, I was slim. I was energetic. <sighs> I was a different person, John. I was a different person then. I, I can't even imagine if if somebody had the even possibility to do that for me. I mean, first of all, I'd go in and uh, I'd be looking around like, wait, where, where did I leave that thing that I lost 40 years ago? That, oh, <laughs> wait, is it still in there? No, okay. My green Kirk wraparound, finally. See? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no no other interest in hanging out there. Yeah. Um I, I'm, I'm going to point out things about Zach in this episode, many things that I don't admire about Zach, but I do admire his bendy straw. <laughs> Did you notice his bendy straw? No. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a scene where uh, he's sitting on the promenade. He's not at Quark's bar. He's just sitting there and he's got a drink and he has a big blue bendy straw. Also, I noticed that I, I did a freeze frame on that. Uh, but the other thing that I noticed in that shot is you can really, really see the tape mark on the floor for the actors. Like right under the table is a big red T, which is where you're telling the actors where to stand. So uh, lots lots to see if you go through this frame by frame. Um, here's the thing. So Rom, I know that he's not the smartest among Ferengi. Definitely not the smartest of anyone on DS9. Mm-hmm. But if a little offhand comment makes him tear up someone's room, 
I have to question really how many loose screws he's got. I don't think he was being played by Odo. I mean, he was being played a little bit, but the implication of his conversation with Odo wasn't Odo saying, hey, go tear up somebody's room. Because also, shouldn't Odo have been on top of that? Wait a minute. He is a she? What the pal? Sorry. I mean, what the zap? All right, so do you want to talk about the bigger, more important, more gigantic thing in this episode, or do you want to talk about the smaller, sort of weird character bit? <laughs> I feel like they're related, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, let, let's talk about the let's talk about the bit here. Okay, before we All get right. going, yeah. Uh, so Zach, what's up with that? What up with that? What yeah. up with that? You mm-hmm. had questions about Zach. I, you know, Zach, here's the thing. All right. First of all, Zach is the greatest businessman among Ferengi. That's how he got to be the Grand Nagus, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so does that mean that, that overall the Ferengi just aren't really that good at business or the other Ferengi are just gullible or they, they hope that other people they encounter are gullible? They, they all like a guy who talks a good game, right? I mean, I, look, I can't think of any contemporary parallels, but if a guy just shows up and says that he or she is really great at business, therefore you should follow him or her. That's the sense that I'm getting here. Uh. Zach, look, Zach, Zach knows nothing about the Gamma Quadrant. Hmm. He knows nothing about tula berries or tula berry wine. Right. But he knows he wants it and he knows he wants a lot of it. And he thinks it's the, the, the secret to the Gamma Quadrant. There, there's this thing, the Dominion now, he's got to deal with. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear from that again. I don't know. It sounds like a stupid name. It might be a made-up thing for one episode for all we oh, know. Oh, that's true. And we'll never hear about it again. But, but look, people line up to follow him based on his hunch. I think, you know, you could go back to Ferenginar, and I picture that Zek is a guy with a, uh, with a studio apartment, and uh, he's eating ramen. I, I just think that, honestly, most Ferengi, Ferengi, like, their way of dealing with each other is to uh, to talk about the rules of acquisition and talk about profit, and but that that's kind of the extent of it. You see, I'm not 100% certain I agree with you, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. He understood enough about what Quark had in Quarks that he wanted his son to learn about Quark and about Quarks in the episode The Nagus, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Season one, episode of Deep Space Nine, uh, suddenly Quark is the Grand Nagus and everybody's trying to kill him, including Rom, by the way. And and in the end, he's like, yeah, look, Quark is the smartest among us because he's just like sitting here at this crossroads of, of two different sections of the galaxy People coming in all the time, people, you know, getting drunk and talking to each other, and he's hearing all of it. And he's able to put his finger into all of it, right? So that makes Quark really the best among them, maybe. But certainly the Nagus knows what's going on as far as, like, the value that Quark has there. Now, but, but here, here's the thing. Quark, Quark is kind of at best. He's like a, theoretically like a middle-class Ferengi, though. He's a bar owner. And, you know, the, uh, being a bar owner is great. That, mm-hmm. That's I, I wish I owned a bar. <laughs> but, right. But, but, you know, that, that's a cool thing. But but he's not like, uh, oh, I'm a bar owner and I also own, you, you know, 
multiple properties and you know beachfront resorts and uh, and casinos he he's a guy with a bar and yet the grand nagus is like wow this guy right you know he he he's the guy that we could learn from well he explained that last time now i mean what's goofy what i started to say was there's a bit of gumbification here going on with the grand nagus i mean it, at at last time the thing that his son could learn is how valuable what cork had was and this time, the Grand Nagus is insulting him, saying, you're going to be stuck here running this miserable little bar for the rest of your life. So, I mean, which time is which time is true? It's whoever was writing it last time and whatever they're going to say. There's, I mean, I, I really thought there was something to what the Nagus had said about Quark last time he was there. Now, I, yeah. that, that said, uh, the Nagus is also old. We have never seen a Ferengi. I don't think we've seen another Ferengi as old as the Nagus. No. So no. he may not be as good now as he once was, but he's had enough time to, you know, sort of build up his build up his structure, build up his empire. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, he's just so big that if he's doing stupid stuff, he's generating revenue and people are willing to follow because he may, you know, once again hit. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. I mean, it's it's not it's a bit ridiculous, but I've got to assume that he had something going at one point, even if he doesn't, you know, at this point. Although, again, he was smart enough to send somebody else to do his dirty work. Yeah, I, it, it just seems to me that, that these all of these Ferengi are just stumbling their way into whatever measure of success they have. Like, again, they love to talk about it. Oh, they love to, I'm going to cut you in for this. I'm going to cut you in for that. I'm gonna, and at the end of the day, it's uh, it just comes down to beer nuts. Man. No, I don't, I don't think so, though. No. I mean, first of no. all, okay, first of all, have you ever played the game Illuminati? No, no, I okay. have not. No. Beer nuts can really be a thing. Okay, or if you've ever read the book Illuminati, beer nuts can really be a thing. I mean, what's funny is I used to play this game, Illuminati, right? Uh, The card game, trading card game from uh, Steve Jackson Games. And you would build these basically world world controlling uh, groups. Mm -hmm. But you would use, I mean, you would use everything from like secret societies to the PTA to the NRA to Russian spies, and you say, well, all those things don't work together. And then you turn on the news and, and you realize a bunch of those things could actually be in the same news story. So when you say they're just beer nuts, there's no such thing as just beer nuts, dude. I mean, look at what look at what Pell was suggesting. Hey, replace those beer nuts with saltier beer nuts. You were then able to double your profits and you turn that profit into, you know, well, of course, profit. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not I mean, here's the thing. I am, I guess, technically, I'm kind of a small business owner, but it's so small that I didn't even realize I had started a business when I did it. Right. So, I mean, I kind of don't want to knock Quark for, oh, it's just a bar, because as you say, I'd I'd love to own a bar, although. No, I, I think Quark's doing fine. I I just think the the scale of what Ferengi think they are into it's uh, it's a little uh, it's a little slipshod, you know, and and that's again, it's okay, it's okay, but I think it's a lot of uh, I think it's a lot of resting on reputation, you know. Well, uh, I don't know. That they're is, all. I mean, look, he's able to do it though, right? Uh, he says to Kira, "Hey, we're perfectly reputable business people," and Kira says, "No, you aren't." And he says, "Well, how about enough fertilizer uh, to keep your planet good for a whole year?" Mm-hmm. He can make that happen. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying. He does not seem like the best business guy in the room. And yet he can snap his fingers and take care of their next growing season. The planet's <laughs> next growing season. 
And then he's like, go to Amazon, look up fertilizer. Well, <laughs> if you can afford 50,000 kilos of fertilizer yeah. by going to Amazon, I still say you're a pretty good businessman because <laughs> I can't afford 50,000. If they were selling a gross of googly eyes, like 50,000 gross of those, I'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of money. Put those good use. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah, they, use, you, you yeah, find yeah. them, man, just to be like a trail yeah. of them from here to wherever. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so there's another thing that we have to talk about with the Ferengi. You know, they really should have, they probably should have been, here's the thing. They came on as they like these feral creatures and then they're sort of comic relief. But, but again, really quickly, I mean, they're so goofy and yet we've stopped keeping track of how many bodies are on quarks since DS9 began, right? Yep. And you say they're a bit, you know, like they're just nutty and they stumble into stuff. A Ferengi got the Stargazer, not a ship that looked like the Stargazer. They got Picard's first ship in a vengeance ploy against Picard, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that takes acumen. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to do that. <laughs> energy that probably could have been spent on other things. Okay, but again, it takes a lot of energy. It also takes a lot of skill. I mean, I, th- I think they got more. You might actually be falling for what the Ferengi are trying to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go outside. We're going to look completely stupid and we're going to own it all. Oh, no, that, uh, that's pack leads. No, well, no, <laughs> it's Ferengi, but whatever. So yeah, here, okay, yeah, so here's yeah, the other yeah. thing. I think that's actually part of the problem with the writing of the Ferengi, unless that is yeah. supposed to be the way it actually is. Unless secretly they are actually, you know, bond level villains, right? Yeah. It's just they never look like it, but maybe that's part of their shtick. Or maybe it's just because, oh, God, we, we need somebody evil. Let's make it the Ferengi. Oh, but we need somebody funny. Okay, well, let's make that the Ferengi, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... Mm-hmm. It seems to me you got a bit of a problem there. Um, you got another problem with the Ferengi. They're greedy, misogynistic, untrustworthy little trolls. <laughs> oh, oh, but 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 they're adorable like that, I know, right? I know. You just yeah. want to pinch. You just want to pinch their cheeks. Um, mm-hmm. They're greedy, misogynistic, untrustworthy little trolls, and I wouldn't turn my back on one of them for a second. Dax says. I'm sorry, uh, Kira says, uh, yeah. Dax says she wouldn't either. But you know, once you accept that, uh, you find they can be a lot of fun. I can't think of a real world analog for this one either, John. But I mean, no, you know, no. if somebody if somebody is terrible, mm-hmm. do you then go, yeah, but I'm getting something out of it. I'm getting fun. I'm getting money. I'm getting something mm-hmm. out of it. So I'm not going to worry about the fact that they're terrible because, you know, if you go ahead and accept that they're terrible, they're really not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. You and I both wrote down the same line. And yeah, I I was asking myself, you know, how much forgiveness do we allow repulsive behavior for that reason? You know, know, either because we're getting something out of it or um, do we forgive things because of, you know, proximity? Well, well, they're here um, and and our exposure to them. Well, the longer that Dax is spent with them, the more that uh, she gets or he gets used to it. Um, or, or, or is it just bonding over something else? Well, well, we had that one really good time when, when we were doing this thing, when, when we were drinking or making money together or whatever. Um, the weird thing is like, I mean, obviously you don't want to be racist, nor do you want to suggest racism. You've got something weird going on with the Ferengi though. They have codified reprehensible behavior. Mm-hmm. They have, I don't know which rule of acquisition it is that all women are going to be kept in the home. They're going to be kept naked. They're not going to be allowed to be educated, right? Yeah. But I mean, somewhere in there, that's in their code. He says, I mean, it's not even a rule of acquisition. Uh, Zach says to to Quark, you're, uh, it's a violation of Ferengi law, it's or law. it's against yeah. Ferengi law to do yeah. that. So that's decided. 
like like Pell, if she gets turned in, is going to go to prison for mm-hmm. for daring to step outside of her station. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean that every Ferengi believes in that? I don't know. But what I don't understand is why is anybody dealing with them? Why is anybody trusting them? If their codification is, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna railroad you to use the nicest term I can think of. We're going to railroad you every chance we get. And by the way, uh, a certain percentage of our population, uh, you're never going to get to see because it's against the rules for us to treat them as equals. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, from our cultural point of view, we look at other cultures that keep women at lower status and, and that is codified. It is part of the cultural norm and, and the legal norm. And then we applaud when things happen like, oh, we're going to allow women to drive now for the first time. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, and, 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 and it's a big deal. I'm, I'm not saying that to be you know funny about it. It is actually a big deal. Mm-hmm. But we're also celebrating what should not be a big deal here. Well, it, it is not a big deal where we are, um, but we sort of expect that other parts in the world um, um, and the same human race would go, oh, yeah, well, we're starting from a point where we treat everybody equally. Um, but clearly there are places that are not. So let's extrapolate that and take that to the, the fantasy sci-fi version of this, which is Star Trek. And we go, okay, well, well, Ferengi are around and we've been dealing with them for a long time, even though the, the character of the Ferengi changed since the first time we met them. But, but they're around kind of everywhere. And we know we're going to run into them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And now we have Starfleet personnel who are on a space station with a Ferengi business owner. Every day, every hour of every day, 26 hours in a Bojoran day. And uh, and how do we deal with that? How do we just accept and say like, oh, yeah, well, when you see women of your species and maybe you feel that way about women of other species as well, although they, they, they are sitting playing cards with Dax, mm-hmm. um, you see them as less than you. You see them as as just inherently not deserving of the same rights, um, not even the same abilities like, say, going to school and learning how to read as you. It's a, it's a tough thing to deal with. You know, we, we, we talked about cultural relativism in Star Trek, and this is something that is pretty inherently, not just relatively, pretty offensive and terrible at least in the point of view of somebody in oh the federation like uh like benjamin cisco is and certainly for kira because uh, she's not part of the federation she's well she's not part of starfleet but she made her opinion certainly known and managed to do it without breaking somebody's arm which is surprising i wonder well i mean first of all <laughs> I mean, let's separate out Quark. I don't get yeah. the impression that Quark thinks that Kira is less than him. I don't get the impression that Quark thinks that Dax is less than him. At mm-hmm. the end of this episode, I don't think Quark thinks that Pell is less than him. I think Quark comes up against a certain amount of um, a certain provincial attitude that he still holds, which is, yeah. I mean, I think I really do think he cared about her. I do think he cared about her. I do think he liked her. And I do think he is a guy who never pictured himself with a woman wearing clothing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, so, he comes right out and says it when he has the opportunity, you know? Right. She says, we could go to the Gamma Quadrant where nobody would care whether I wear clothing. And he says, I would care. Yeah. yeah. And 
and I, it, and it feels like maybe there's room for some growth there with Quark. I will say I don't think Quark is all of the worst things that Ferengi are. I don't think he thinks that every female is beneath him. Uh, that said, Quark is the guy who will get you killed if there's profit in it. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to separate out Quark and talk about all Ferengi, but then, of course, I want to say hashtag not all Ferengi. Not all Ferengi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wish, and, and you know, this is probably skipping ahead. I, I wish that there was something else for Quark here because you're left with a, a just a, a taste of a sliver of a hint, a, in my opinion, that Quark isn't on the same page as, say, like uh, a guy like Zek, who's totally reprehensible, who totally holds these beliefs. But at the same time, Quark missed the opportunity to really step up. Everybody gets off on a technicality here, you know? So I, I wish that there had been a true learning moment for Quark, but Pell is a character that we get rid of, and Quark goes back to being whichever version of Quark we get next week or the week after. Is he murderous Quark who would kill his own brother? Is he Quark who will denigrate females, female Ferengi around him again? Don't know. Or is he a reliable Quark who might actually be there for uh, for his you know fellow um, station sure. mates, I suppose, on DS9? I, w- I will say uh, the merchandising opportunities are endless. Collect them all. <laughs> With Zek gone, again, it is time to see what we can take from rules of acquisition. The end of another episode, this episode being Rules of Acquisition. And, you know, Ken, just uh, not so much to talk about here. You know, Fringy are fine. They're they're great. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we might have a few closing remarks to make here. And uh, this is a section where we figure out if the episode holds up and, uh, and if there are any messages or morals and meetings lurking there within. So, Ken, does the Rules of Acquisition hold up? Um, well, uh, there was a production thing. There was one production thing that was missing from this episode. Uh, Jake? Uh, no. <laughs> a, a laugh track. Mm. I started watching it one of the times that we were watching it to, uh, you know, for the notes and whatever. And I realized there's, there are pauses for laughter all the way through to the point that I was thinking I might just take one segment and then go to iTunes and buy, uh, you know, one of those crowd effects CDs mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, like when, when, uh, when Pell goes to kiss Quark, you'd have the, you know, and right. then when, you yeah. know, and then all the times when there are the, you know, like when, uh, when Zach, uh, pinches, uh, Kira's backside, uh, there would be huge laughter there. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it reads on screen like a bad sitcom. Yeah. So no, I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. <laughs> and and what's 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 a drag is, I mean there are ways that it actually could. Like uh, Quark's never going to stand up to the Nagus, but he might do something, you know, secretly. What's weird is for a show that prides itself on, you know, taking, you know, episode after episode after episode to tell a story, why don't we have Pell on for a few episodes? Why don't we have Pell on, you know, for like four or five? Why don't we kind of get to know Pell? Why don't we have Pell in the background for a bit? Why don't we get to know Pell as a guy? 
maybe even yeah. as a guy's guy. And then it can be shocking when we get the reveal because we're supposed to have all of this stuff happen and we're supposed to care inside of 48 minutes. Now, I'm I'm glad for you that you were fooled by Pell's voice in the beginning. I know I was somewhere in Act 1 where I was like, I mean, long before we get the reveal, I'm like, oh, that, that's going to be a female Ferengi. And maybe it's because for all the time that we've seen Ferengi on screen, there has never been so much telegraphing, right? I mean, we know that mm-hmm. the Ferengi don't treat women well. They don't also make sexist comments every 20 seconds on average. I mean, they want to talk business for crying out loud. Um, and, and, and they, they, you know, did that so much here. So like the reveal came too quickly, but I actually knew it was coming ahead of time. And then they're taking this really, this really serious issue or this potentially serious issue, you know, uh, sexism and inequality or these uh, potentially serious issues, sexism and inequality, and just, you know, not only making them uh, jokes for a lot of the episode, but then also just, you know, dealing with it. Well, good. We've dealt with sexism now. What did it take? 48 minutes? Not bad, guys. Let's go get mm. lunch. And just, no, I didn't, I, didn't feel like it, uh, I didn't feel like it held up very well. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, see, I didn't feel like we dealt with anything here. You know, uh, uh, sexist things happened, um, and, and we just sort of are taken aback by it. But then uh, it, it comes down to me that this episode doesn't know what it's trying to do. Uh, the, so the Fringe are funny and lovable, uh, but they would also murder each other and sell the body parts, right. as we learned in the Nagus. Uh, they, they actively subjugate female Ferengi, uh, but they're fun at parties. Um, they had the opportunity to learn something here, but then, like I said, Pell gets off on a technicality. It, it, the whole reason that that, that you know, the uh, Zek and Quark and uh, well, and actually Rom to some extent, because he's the only other one who knows the secret uh, other than Dax. But Dax is cool. Uh, all of that just sort of ends because, oh, OK, well, we'd rather not screw each other over in business. So we'll just pretend like this didn't happen. Um I don't want to watch this episode again. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, the number of times watching it to prep, to prep for this and then thinking about, wow, you know, they're, they're these standout episodes that they'll be really great to revisit one day. This is, this is not on that list. Um, you know, it would have been fun. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry to keep doing this, but I'm trying to figure out how you could have saved this episode, how you could have made okay. it say something. Yeah. Instead of everybody saying, wow, if anybody finds out, we'll be busted, so let's keep this secret and we'll send her packing. What if the Dosai mm-hmm. or the Karama or whatever, Kramara, um, which we don't even know what that is yet, if we're ever going to find out. What if somebody had had said, you know, yeah, the only one we can deal with is Pell, and the only one we will deal with is Pell. Oh, sure. Like, what, yeah. if, what if they yeah. had all had to take a backseat to her because somebody else was like, hey, idiots, she's got value. And, yeah. and in fact, she's the most valuable of all of you. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. I mean, that might have been kind of neat yeah. because, yes, I mean, what you get is, I mean, what you get is the message. I think the message anyway, forgive me for jumping ahead, but the message is the inequality is bad. The forced inequality is bad. The sexism is bad. Uh, but, you know, what's going to make it better is just, you know, send her packing and maybe somebody will feel a little bad about it. Quark in this case, maybe somebody will feel a little bad about it, but we're not going to do anything. Yeah, I mean, look, she comes out and says in the episode, I can do anything that a male can do. Right. Okay. Well, well, she says it, but we never see that in action. 
We, we, we just don't. Well, no, we see her do that. We see her. She's got a better handle on the rules of acquisition than anybody else, including the Grand Nagus. She understands she how she understands yeah. how Quark is being set up for failure in ways that Quark, Rom do not, although the Nagus certainly does. But that doesn't get anybody anything in the end. Well, no, but I mean, she does you prove know. that she can do anything that a yeah. guy can do. She just isn't allowed to. Yeah. And, and then they all go home. Right. I mean, really, that, that's, that's where we end up. You right. Know? Well, except for her, she doesn't yeah. get to go home, but she will go someplace where she's allowed to wear pants. She just mm-hmm. can't go home and do that. Go back to Melora. Melora decided yeah. not to go to any other world because what was most important to her was to be able to go home, to be mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. she you know felt like she was, what she's grown up to be. Now, the cool thing for Pell is she decides, you know what, nuts to this. I mean, if this is the way home's going to treat me, then home's not the place for me. But I don't necessarily feel like that's... She got 10 bars of gold-pressed latinum. That's what she got. And that's what she now has to go uh, to the Gamma Quadrant. And who knows if they even, like, respect gold-pressed latinum. They may have no use for it at all. Oh, you know what we could use? Uh, Ear hair. Do you have any ear hair? (laughs) Ah, no, I know a guy, but I can't call him because, well, that wouldn't go well. Yeah. What else, sir? So, I don't know if that—I think I mentioned the message, maybe, sexism is bad. Surprise. What else? <laughs> um, well, uh, in terms of messages or just in terms of, of production? Yeah, whatever. I, you know, look, as a production, look, I, uh, the makeup was nominated. I did not like the makeup. Um, we all love Wallace Shawn. I, I'm still not in love with Wallace Shawn's performance as Zach, not because he's doing a bad job, but because Zach is just a... <sighs> It's just a tough character. Look, um, and then the the bedroom scene just made me cringe again. Not because the actors are bad, not because th- there's something just tone deaf or offensive about it. It's just one of the most cliche things that Trek has done in a long time. the The whole gender swap trope. I get it. I mean, I, I love Twelfth Night, and there are plenty of other places in literature where that happens. Some successfully, some not. Here, it, it just seems not good, not, not a good thing at all. Um, interesting to me that in Dax's conversation with Pell, when they're sitting in the replimat, she talks about Pell being in love with Quark, and they bond over this for a moment before Pell admits to being a woman. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a thing, like, oh, you're in love with Quark. I can totally tell. You really dig him. Oh, and by the way, I'm a woman. You know, that that's... That was that was a thing. That, that was a, a moment that just kind of passes by. So that's cool that that one moment happens. But again, I just feel like nobody at the end of this episode ha- has learned or got anything out of it. So if I look, if I try to look for a message here, you know, Pal has a lot of moxie. I like that. It, it, you know, circumstances are holding you back. Change the circumstances. Good for her. Yeah. Not sure I agree with the dishonesty when it comes to a personal relationship, though. She is forcing herself on Quark and forcing herself on Quark as somebody that she is not. Um, And, you know, would you want to be honest with somebody like Quark who maybe is not prepared to open his mind to the idea that uh, not all women should be kept uh, uh, illiterate and naked? You know, um, so I can't quite make two and two add up there. Um, and again, Cork, I feel like he doesn't learn a thing. Uh, Pell expressed her true feelings, says they can start a new life in the Gamma Quadrant where nobody would care. But Cork says he would care. 
yeah, look, he he stands up for Pell. Uh, stupidity is no excuse. Great line. But again, the fact that it ends on a technicality, it just... It, you and I can give Cork that little bit of extra credit that makes him a little bit better than Zach in the end, but that's all I can give him. Okay, you're a little better than Zach. There might be a little bit of hope for you down the road, but that's a pretty low bar to clear. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. There are lots of other Roddenberry podcasts, you know. Oh yeah, so many We Got a Network podcast.roddenberry.com to find out about those. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, that'd be awesome. Patreon.com slash Mission Log is the place to do that. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, check out Trek FM. That is Trek.FM. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit TrekMovie.com. Next week, Necessary Evil. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. Tongo, Dabo, Move Along Home, Alamarain, my friends, Alamarain. Transmission. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. <laughs> 